and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the fictitious Matt. Hello there. So, um, I feel like I say this at the start of every time we do a classic story, in that I am absolutely dreading this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Because... You know, as as much as you as you rag on you who, there'll be times when it impresses you and you're honest and you say what it does. Yeah. Um. It seems like you struggle a lot more with classic, and you know, because it's such a different beast. And especially, I th- am I right in saying probably the sixties, the black and white era stuff in particular? See, I don't know because I quite like the first Doctor adventure Is it we j- watch. Yeah. But to be fair, I did pick that one because it was a two-parter and it was an easy, mm. you know, kind but, of... But even, I think both that we've watched I quite liked for the first yeah. Doctor. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, we're on to the second Doctor. You're on record as saying it's your least favourite. Mm-hmm. Um, it's slim pickings when it comes to the second Doctor. You know, uh, there, there are only seven stories of his era that uh, have survived in their entirety. You know, there are some where it's just like one episode missing and stuff, but you know, if you, if you want to go for an episode, a story that has all episodes complete, it's, you've got limited options. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of the ones that do exist um, after the tomb of the Cybermen and uh, the war games, which, you know, we've discussed, we will probably do one day, but th- that's, uh, yeah. that's an undertaking. Uh, this, the mind robber is, is thought of very highly within the fandom. It didn't. Uh, and uh, so I'm very, very nervous because I am one of those ones. I, I, I there, more often than not, I cleave towards general f- received fan wisdom, yeah. I think. And when, when I, I watched I this, I just thought like this, this. star, I just thought this story is so David, like you know, yeah. people in books coming to life. I was like, oh, David will he'll be in heaven watching this. I do really like it. I do, I do. Um, but so I'm very, very nervous about hearing what you think about it. I think we'll hold off on that just for the moment. But I just wanted to be upfront about it. I am yeah. very, I'm very tense right now because I just I I just hope um, hope against hopes that this hit you the right way and, and you had right. a good time with well, it. But don't don't let me forget when we get to discussing it, I've promised yeah. our listeners a big surprise. Okay. So I'm looking forward I will to be that. revealing our big surprise just before we start discussing the episode. Okay, right. So, um, I guess we've got about an hour's worth of food talk to get through before we get. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. Uh, Was it a new record last week? Twenty-five minutes. Yeah, yeah. It went down a treat. The the plaudits came rolling in. (laughs) I bet. Uh, I should apologise as well to the listeners. Um, I meant to put a disclaimer in about last week's audio quality because we we had the issue with with your audio, where I, I joked to you on on. Uh, on our chat, that it, it looked, it sounded rather like you just uh, recorded it while sat in a toilet cubicle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks for that because I thought I'd yeah. share that with the listeners and basically got a few messages just going, "Were you in the bath?" So, <laughs> well, trust me, I if bet... I ever recorded from my bath, people would know about it. <laughs> they would. 
You wouldn't leave those details unexplored. Um, but yeah, I meant to put a disclaimer in at the top of it. I'd gotten halfway through exporting it and then re- realised that I hadn't done that. And I was just like, ah, oh, sod it. Yeah, Half we, nine. We do I'm this knackered. for free. What do people want from us? <laughs> Give us a break. So, yeah, I mean, I think people probably would have gathered at a certain point that it was just an audio issue and they were just going to have to like it or lump it. But, yeah. you know, it's... It's, it's because it's, the quality is so high to, normally. Yeah. People just oh, expect yes, yeah. the best. We, it's usually, uh, uh, you know top quality professional stuff. I mean, I, I you know, we, we head over to uh, recording studios every week to do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I just wanted to apologise to any listeners who's, whose uh, eardrums were aggravated by last week's episode. Uh, yeah. I did what I could in post, but there wasn't much we could do about that sort of thing, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah. Uh, do you want to talk uh, meals, meals of the week? <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah. Okay, so, important question. What do you have for breakfast today? Do you want to have a guess? A little bit of toast, a little bit of Marmite, or did you go big again? No, I I, I kept it simple this week. Toast and Marmite. Mm. And to be honest, it was was pretty fairly underwhelming, because it was like, you know when you've got the the last straggling slices of a loaf? See, my my favourite bit are the two end pieces, the two heels of the loaf. What? Because that that's usually like a little bit thicker, so you can really load yeah. that up with butter and marmite. They're the best bits of bread. No, it's the I, two I, crusts. It's like, no, because it's it's t- the bread the bread to butter ratio is all wrong there. It's right. like eating eating rubbish cake. I, I think I know what our Twitter poll of the week will be. <laughs> I, I'm going to defend it. They're the best bits when you toast you know them. You are in the minority there, Matt. I'm sorry. You are absolutely in the minority on that one. Well, you know, so was Martin Luther King, but he was right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, so was Jesus man. Christ, if, we, if we're going down that path. So. <laughs> oh, let's not. Let's not. Yeah. In many ways, I'm a bit like Gandhi. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah. What about I, you? What was your breakfast? I had a crumpet. Ooh. Oh, yeah. that's good work. Yeah. We, we had two left. And, you know, not to pull back the curtain, but I was basically waiting for my wife to leave so we could, <laughs> like, start recording this morning. Yeah. And she just was, you know, put her shoes on, put a coat on, and then appeared out of nowhere with two crumpets. One oh. for her, one for me. So I had a buttered crumpet Ooh. and a cup of coffee. Do you ever do anything other than butter on a crumpet? Occasionally I'll do cheese. Oh, yes, very nice. Um, like, pop but, it under the grill. Yeah, but what I actually like is a full serving of butter with a side portion of crumpet. I like it to be like a wet sponge. <laughs> I like it to be more butter than crumpet. Yeah, bear with me just one moment. Because <coughs> my tea went down the wrong way there and I, and I sprayed a little bit. So that's, uh, yeah, guaranteed you won't edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> That, that'll be a highlight of this week's episode. <laughs> I'm sorry, listeners. If I if I do decide to leave this in, which is entirely possible, yeah, um, yeah that that's not pleasant. <coughs> right. Okay. So meal of the week, David. Meal of the week. Um. Okay. 
it's home home wise it's been a uh, it's been a fairly underwhelming week it's been one of those you know when you've got weeks where you just got to grit your teeth and get on with it so mm-hmm. it's been you know we've not had unpleasant meals but it's been fairly standard you know baked potatoes pasta and some veg you know simple quick affairs we we've not done anything outlandish so if i'm being brutally honest my meal of the week was Friday lunchtime. I've had a absolute bastard of a week at work. I've got like half a day left to get through. I've popped out on my lunch break because I've got to go and pick up some library books and uh, do a bit of life admin. Um, so I'm I'm in town. I've got I've got a, a fairly mediocre packed lunch in my rucksack, and I just have this moment. Where I'm just like, ah, oh, fuck it. So. Popped into Greg's vegan sausage roll jam donut. Wow. Yeah. And uh, it was joyous. Absolutely joyous. What about you? Uh, mine was yesterday. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I've gotten into quite a nice routine of obviously working from home. I'm not getting out as much as I would quite like. So I do make yeah. the effort on a Saturday morning. As soon as I get up, if we need to go to the shops, I'll go to the shops. So I went to Morrison's, my favourite, and I spent the whole day yesterday constructing a lasagna. Ooh. Like proper Mm. slow cooking all the meat and, you know, really doing it properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it it was phenomenal. So much so, I'm going to say that it beats my bolognese parmo to become really? my meal of the year. Wow. I mean, well done. Hats off. I mean, lasagna is one of those meals where you can't phone it in, really. No, like, there's there's such a gulf between good lasagna and bad lasagna. Yeah. You know, last yeah. week I, I said that, you know, even bad pizza is still quite good. Not the case yeah. with lasagna. No, I, I uh, 100% agree. And it's like... You you can cut corners with lasagna, but you'll you'll pay the price for it. And even if you do cut corners, it's still going to take quite a long time to do. Yeah. You know, it's not a quick, you know, not a quick process. You know, you 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 you're still having to deploy the use of the hob and the oven, and it's like you can't bish bash bosh it. So if you're gonna go to the effort of making lasagna, do it right, do it justice. So uh, yeah. Um, all credit to you, Matt, for that. Would you say so, your yeah. sausage roll beat the curry from week one? The now famous week one curry? Week one curry. Like like I say, it's. I think it's it's place in the top spot is a, is assured for quite a while. Possibly until we get to, say, my birthday or something. But that's months away from now. Wow. I think we got, I'm going to struggle to top it. Um, but... Yeah, no, as good and as as welcome as that as that vegan sausage roll was, um, and it must be said, Greg's vegan sausage rolls really are better than they have any right to be. I, I'm a big fan. Get Greg's sausage rolls. Well, I, I get the normal meat ones. Yeah, and, and you should try the vegan one just out the, of curiosity. They are time. the perfect accompaniment to soup. Oh, yes. a little bit of soup and a sausage roll. Like uh, cream and tomato. See, I'm a big fan of a lentil soup. Oh, like yeah. a nice spicy lentil. 
Yeah, I, I, I quite like a lentil soup as well. Yeah, good stuff. Um, so, this week, we obviously have no Decide Your Destiny book. We don't, so we're just going to crack on with the Mind Robber at this point, hopefully. You would think, because, you know, we've got that void. I think we're all still mourning the loss of the Wheelie Big Quiz. I mean, I, I'm all right, to be honest. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's 20 extra minutes I get to spend with my family. Doesn't seem yeah. well, that bad to deal Well, with my wife's out, so you're going you're gonna <laughs> to stick with me. So, a, a new feature this week. Okay. After the success of What's on the Menu last week. Yeah. The, the listeners, David, they love learning about you. Do they? Yeah, they, they love it just to, you know, who is David? Who is the man behind the myth? So, I feel like I don't know. I don't know where people are at with me. I feel like I'm one of those people where people meet me initially and they think, "Ah, oh, he seems nice. He seems normal." And the more you get to know me, the odder it turns out I actually am. I, I would liken you in many ways to Winnie the Pooh. Like, <laughs> like as yeah. soon as I met you, I was like, "What an endearing character!" In the many, <laughs> in the same way as Winnie the Pooh. But then after a while, I was just like, "What? what's the obsession with honey? Why has he got his head stuck in that rabbit hole? That that That's how, who I would liken you to. Yeah, fair dues. So this week, I've devised an entirely original segment of the show. Yeah. Obviously, we know that we're totally against plagiarism. It is a crime. Mm-hmm. So ten questions this week, David, in a segment yes. I'm calling Outside the Actor's Studio. Ooh. Okay. It's got nothing to do with inside the actor's studio. Of course. Okay, so I'm going to go through ten questions just so we can learn a little bit about you, David. Alrighty then. So, question one. What is your favourite word? What is my favourite word? I, the thing is, words are my bread and butter. And I've got Lots that I like. I don't know that I have just one outright favourite. I, I buttress. I particularly enjoy. Wow, I've used that in a lot of a lot of avant-garde poetry. Say, <laughs> I think mine is stripe because it's stripe. a lot. It's a lots of lot of different like sounds that shouldn't go together. Yeah, like, Yeah. No, it's it's, it's an ungainly one if you take it in isolation. Um, but yeah, are you familiar with the um, the uh, Monty Python sketch, Tinny and Woody Words? Mm. I mean, I I'm I'm all about Woody Words. You know, I just the, the, nothing brings me more joy in life. What what is your least favorite word? Oh. Again, I don't think, in the abstract, I don't think there is... I think any word has the potential to be brilliant in the right context. Um, This is going to sound really... I don't know. Do I say this? Right. I'll say it. I'll say it. Just because of the amount of personal trauma attached to it and stuff, school still often makes me feel like I've got, like, 
if I think if I think about that word for a second too long, I get like a sinking feeling in my stomach. Oh, oh um, and that's bad because obviously my work, whilst I work for the NHS, it is sort of like it, it, the the particular work I do is kind of integrated within school. So I, I, you know, I deal with schools on a daily basis in my my job. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't I can't think of like one devoid of context. That's just a word that just like I wouldn't want to potentially use in something. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Okay, so question three. What turns you on? Now, that doesn't have to be sexual, David. What mm-hmm. what gets your juices flowing in life? Um, I love the outdoors, nature, and just hanging around trees and stuff. A nice view. Um... And other than that, it's it it's it's stories and poetry and ah, you read my mind. Mine was going to be a good story. Yeah, and you see, that's what I love about Doctor Who. It's is that it's this infinite story machine that a, a show that is it, it's one thing, but it can also be anything. That's what makes it so special to me. Okay. So question yeah. four then: What turns you off? Um, bullies and unpleasant people. Ah, oh, that's a that's a so, good answer. Mine yeah. was mine was going to be boredom. I struggle with boredom, but then again, I have a lot of strategies to cope with that. In that, you know, I've I when left to my own devices, I will never not have a pair of headphones in because I will either be listening to music or uh, or some kind of podcast or audio drama or mm. something. You know. Like I say, yesterday, because my big time out the house was going to Morrison's, mm. uh, when I'd filled my sh- like shopping trolley and got to the end of the store, because I knew it was the only time I'm going to be out the house, I was like, do you know what? I think I really must look at that garlic bread again. <laughs> and I pretty much just treated it like a museum. I was like, I'm fairly certain this is the cheese I want, but I, I must get a second opinion. <laughs> Okay, yeah, what I, sound or noise do you hate? Um Okay, I it's not a specific I can't Oh. Yeah, you know what? I can do a specific sound. I cannot cope with the scraping of like unglazed pottery. Ooh. If you think like a terracotta flower pot or something. Yeah. Scraping on a on a patio. See, that, my, it's like even thinking about it like gives me shivers. Mine, mine is where you get one of those really, really fine, cheap plastic zippers on a clutch, like, and it like, yeah. zzz, like it makes a really yeah. horrible high pitched noise. Yeah, I can, I can, I can imagine that. Okay, now, challenge. David, this is where I want you to go full Brian Blessed. What is okay. your favourite curse word? Don't tell us, just shout it. <laughs> Um, I don't use it. It's not the one I necessarily use the most, but the one that I get the most enjoyment out of is probably bollocks. Yeah, that, that's a good one. Yeah, I, and and also it's great to use in the singular, like calling I, someone a bollock. But also, like when someone's talking utter rubbish, there's nothing better than just simply decreeing bollocks, bollocks. Or if you you know if something doesn't go your way. Bollocks! It's like oh, it's I've a great bollocks did up. <laughs> yeah, it's so versatile. 
it's so versatile. Though I, you know, I've I've never I've never encountered a swear word, modern or archaic, that I haven't enjoyed. I, th- I think mine is probably just fuck. And I mean, I, it's so it's so versatile and, and so I, easy. I very very re- rarely use it to cause offence. But yeah. when I'm tired, I will mutter under my breath like "fuck me," yeah, or for, or for fuck's sake. Like, I mean, I prefer to use "fuck" as a, a you know, just as a, as an emphasis, you mm. know, to say something's really fucking good, and you know, it, mm. you know, it doesn't have to be uh, a negative, no. pejorative word. No. So, question eight, David: What profession mm. other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh, I would love to finish a novel and then for that novel to be deemed worthy enough to have some kind of literary agent representation and for that literary agent to work very hard to actually getting a publishing contract for said novel and for said novel to actually sell enough and be marketed well enough that that the publishing company was interested in a sequel or perhaps a different novel from me. And after all of those hoops had been jumped through, I could actually genuinely consider quitting the day job and being a full-time writer. I... That is a lot of hoops, and I don't think it's a realistic goal. For... I, I, <laughs> you know, I've I mentioned this through. before. I'd love to be a concert pianist yeah. or a proper tenor opera singer really yeah i didn't know you were partial to opera oh i, I love it I, w- I wouldn't say i'm an expert you know i love no. all the i love the big hits you know give me a bit of nesson dharma and things like that really but, yeah it's fascinating i you see opera is one of the one of the the, the areas of music that i really really struggle with i like some some like avant-garde music that uses elements of opera you know i'm thinking like bands like Mag- magma and koenji Hayakai who have like s- uh, vocals that border on operatic but it's kind of framed within the context of like really insane abrasive jazz rock um but like just straight up opera i find excruciating you know like a little bit of bocelli no, no, I don't. I genuinely don't. Like, I, when I was younger, I quite enjoyed Gilbert and Sullivan, but more for the humour than the opera mm-hmm. element. But you know, but you know, they're catchy tunes, and that you know, especially like the 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 songs where it's like just a big long list sung really quickly, and there's like it's just an element of fun to it. Mm. But. Yeah, no. Overall, I'm, I can't. I can't say opera is something that ever particularly appeals to me. See, so yeah, that's the, that's a re- that's a proper surprise coming from you. That the the other job I'd love to do is just to work at the tip <laughs> or, or the dump for our American uh, listeners. There must be actually like you won't get paid a lot, but there must be a lot of job satisfaction. I wonder if I could just work. do like a day's work experience. Yeah. Where someone just brings a sofa and they're like, oh, I don't want this anymore. And I just get to smash it to bits. Oh, that must be fun. Yeah. Do you like going to the bottle bank as a kid? Well, one one of the jobs I had when I was young, I worked in a horrible Italian restaurant. Yeah. And one of my jobs, because it backed onto a Tesco's car park, was to dispose of the bottles in the bottle bank. 
Oh, and I just used, I just used to throw them in as hard as I could and try and yeah. smash them. Because yeah. there's a big metal pole in the middle, so I always used to aim for that. It, Excellent. It, what What about question nine, David? What profession would you not like to do? Um, and it has to be a real job. It can't be like goat for later. No, I mean, the honest one is like, I've worked, I've worked several like customer facing retail jobs, and it is soul destroying. I hate it. I hate I hate the pressure of having to handle money and, and having to especially when they like time you and make you work really fast. And um I hate and I hate having to deal with the public in that way, like face to face. Because that doesn't come easy to me. Mm-hmm. Uh but beyond that, if I'm thinking like more like because that's nobody's first choice, right? So if I think of something that would be some people's first choice but isn't mine, that's probably more revealing. So I'd probably say, like, upper management or middle management of, like, a, a company or something, some profit-making enterprise. Because making money is not a strong motivation for me. And to be successful in, like private enterprise making money has got to be the thing that gets you out of bed in the morning see i i think for what i would not like to do would be some sort of doctor slash surgeon i think the responsibility would cripple me oh no you see i i'm I'm not saying i'd find it easy but at least i'd be able to be like okay this is a lot of pressure but I've, I've, I, if I give it my best shot and I'm successful, then I've made a real difference in someone's life. Mm, um, yeah, I suppose there's that element. So that's that's the thing. Like, I mean, that's why I like working for the NHS, even though I'm just an an administrator. You know, I'm I'm a tiny cog in a big machine, but it's a big machine that that saves lives, and that's quite that's quite a gratifying thing, and that like that's what gets mm. me through the hard days and. There's been a lot of those recently, but that's that's what gets me through it, really. Okay, final question, question 10. Yeah. And you, you, you have to put your beliefs to one side here, David. Okie doke. If heaven exists, what would you like <laughs> to hear? Go- what would you like... Don't laugh at the concept of heaven, David. <laughs> if heaven Sorry. exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? A fucking apology would be a good start. Oh wow! For like just the, just the hardships yeah. of everyday like, life. Yeah, fucking natural disasters, uneven distribution of resources, um, causing you know a, an enormous disparity in the development of human society, which with well, we know what the consequences of that was. Um, yeah. I, okay, right. Come on, let's do it then. You, you said put my beliefs aside. It's very hard for me to do, you know. I was I was raised in a religious household and I, I lost my faith and I feel like I lost my faith for damn good reason. Yeah. My your, your upbringing is, was I, I very can... similar to the novel Carrie, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't like school, too religious. When are you going to yeah. go berserk and murder a whole town? Ah, uh, 
Nah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not that way inclined. I don't think. But and like, I don't want to make out that I had some kind of awful. Like my parents were lovely, wonderful human beings. I love them, you know, dearly. Um, but yeah, they were religious. Um, and that did skew things a certain way for me. And yeah, I'm quite unrelated to that. Well, somewhat unrelated to that. I, I yeah, I just struggled with school for a lot of different reasons. But um, but. Yeah, my, my general, my, my, the, the conclusion I came to with God, right? Just God in the abstract, whether it's Christian or otherwise, God the creator, God the, the, the yeah, the, the or, or omnipresent being is either God doesn't exist and because you can take God out of the equation and the world makes as much sense before as it did after, um, or God does exist and God is a total... Wow. Those are the options. I don't think I've well, ever heard you why, drop the C bomb before. I don't know whether I have, but I think I think God's worthy of it because if if the God ex if God exists as people believe, then I'm like, how is this being worthy of your praise and admiration when they are objectively a horrible person because they allow so much horrible shit to happen in such a random chaotic fashion nobody can learn lessons from that you know and i see my parents and and, and other religious people struggling with rationalizing all the bad shit that happens to them thinking that somehow it's their fault and it it it, it destroys me because it's like it's not your fault it's just life Life is chaos and life is can deal your good hands and bad hands, but God's got nothing to do with it. Don't don't forget to I'm keep gonna... David in your prayers this week, listeners. <laughs> I'm right. probably gonna have to cut a lot of that out. Um because I don't look to be clear, everyone is entitled to their beliefs. Um and I don't this is, I, I can only speak for myself, and that is all I am doing. I'm speaking for myself and observing what I've, I've observed. But I, I genuinely, I don't understand how anyone can, 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 can look at the, the world as a whole, human experience, and think that there is some kind of benevolent creator behind it all. That's what I struggle with. Um, anyway, that, you knew this was going to happen, right, Matt? Yeah, why do you think I chose these questions? <laughs> um, if it was me, I, you? I'd just want him to say, well done, you did more good than bad, like the podcast. <laughs> You'd want him to specifically acknowledge the podcast? Yeah, I'd, I'd want him to say, it's better than Radio Free Scarrow. <laughs> Don't worry, they're all downstairs. Right, so usually the, at the end of... Uh, wow, did you just say they're all in hell? No, that, no it was uh, in the character of God in this scenario you've painted, yes. Okay, okay, right. I don't actually think that will happen. All right, okay. I think they're good eggs, Matt. Yeah. It's you, you're the one who's got the beef with uh, RFS. I don't think I've ever said they'll go to hell, but never mind. Okay. <laughs> So usually the episode of Inside the Actors Studio ends with audience questions. So listeners, if you want to send anything in, 
that you want to ask David, that can yep. be next week's segment. I mean, to be honest, it'll probably be a couple of weeks because of the delay on how we release these. But uh, yeah, I, 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 I will, I will answer pretty much any question anyone throws at me. Right. I don't. I'm just going to make a note for next week. We will do a Reddit style AMA. Ask mm. me anything. Right. I, I've got to talk about my big surprise, David. Go on. And when I say my big surprise, it is a lack thereof. Okay. <laughs> because we're doing the mind robber this week. We are doing the mind robber this week. And we when, when I listen back to last week's episode, we yeah. talked at length about the concept of Cameo. Yes. The platform Cameo. Yeah. Well, this week I have spent £30 for mm. Fraser Hines to say hello. Oh, okay. Except he oh. hasn't. Oh. <laughs> I have a oh, feeling Fraser. he's not going to. He has... Oh. Well, today's the final day in which he could complete our request. So, currently, as it stands, he's in breach of contract and Fraser Hines (laughs) owes me £30. Okay. He'll probably get it to you a couple of weeks from now. I I assume he saw my request and pretty much just thought, I'm above this. I'm not doing that. (laughs) Because I sent a request to say... Hello, the Neither the Time Nor the Space podcast are reviewing the Mind Robber this week, and we'd very much Mm -hmm. like a hello from Fraser. I said that David, one of the hosts of the show, is a huge Doctor Who fan, and it would mean a lot to him. And then finally I said, also, if you could include what did you have for breakfast today, that would mean a lot. And then in brackets I put, it's an ongoing in-joke. And I sent that on Wednesday of this week... Mm. Uh, and then when I log in it just says Fraser Hines has zero days remaining to complete your request so it it could appear maybe next week there might be a a hello do you get get a refund if they don't do it I don't know how it works Uh, yeah yeah. Yeah. so it says if he's unable to complete your request and fair play he could be unwell or something it's that time of year Yeah. Uh, it just says that I'll be refunded in the next week but Oh, I, I'm slightly that's... upset if he doesn't. I've seen him. Yeah. The ones he does are quite good. He's quite active. He is. He's he's a yeah. He's a lovely bloke. He and, and he's yeah. quite involved in the fandom. Still does a lot for Big Finish. Does a lot of conventions. Yeah, he seems like yeah. a really good egg. But for some yeah. reason, he's taken the hump with us. I mean, <laughs> last time we reviewed a second Doctor story, I said he was the only bit I really liked. But yeah, he might have might have just you know. Well, I'm curious then. Did that hold true for for the mind robber? Did uh, did you know? Did anything else endear itself to you beyond Fraser Hines? Uh, there's one other thing I really liked. Oh, okay. And it's it's the way that the doctor says Zoe. The way he goes Zoe. <laughs> oh, we must find Zoe. <laughs> yeah, I like that. A- um, any other aspects of Troughton's performance, or just that? Oh, I also like the way. Hold on, I've written it. Oh, it's the way he like everyone vanishes, and he like goes, "Oh my word!" <laughs> yeah. uh, I like that. Yeah, um, but on the whole, like I preferred this to Tomb of the Cybermen. One thing I'll give this story is yeah. I, I didn't, I wasn't bored by it. Yeah, and I always say that's the biggest mistake Doctor Who can make. It, it wasn't boring. No, I mean it's it, absolutely nuts. Yeah, it was nonsensical, <laughs> and you know, 
uh, I, I wouldn't say it was... I, I wouldn't say it massively endeared me. Um, mm. But I, I must say, I, I don't know, maybe my stance on Troughton's lessened slightly. It was okay. I mean, at the end of the day, he was the biggest influence in terms of classic Doctors on Smith's performance. And Smith is your favourite mm. New Who Doctor. Yeah. And you must see it at this point, like, where the overlap is with those two. Uh, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. But... I don't know. I don't know what the barrier is, but this story, I was just like, yeah, okay, I get it. It's books. (laughs) Like, if if there was a PowerPoint presentation that just quite literally said, it's books, I'd have got this story. (laughs) I mean, to be fair to Peter Ling, he wrote it as a Mm four-parter. Um. And the pre- preceding story, The Dominators, was intended to be a six-parter. And they chopped it down to five because they deemed that there wasn't enough story to, to merit six episodes. Mm-hmm. Which, given general like the, the general pacing of... Yeah. Um, given what they leave do, in, what must they have cut out? Yeah, I was like... And honestly, if you watch The Dominators... They could have cut it down to two parts. <laughs> really? Yeah. So, like, the idea that 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 it was originally a six-parter boggles my mind. But basically, they cut it down to they cut Dominators down from six to five, and that meant that they had a, like an extra slot that they had to fill. And they can't like you can't heaven forfend they do a one-part tight twenty-five minute story. <laughs> no, no, just we'll do, they they have got the script editors. Derek Sherwin to basically just string out what I think would have been the first five minutes of episode one into a full story in itself, which explains the very weird, you know, empty limbo first part. Mm-hmm. Um, but but, but to, I think basically, uh, you know, I'm glad that it happened because for me, it's, it's one of the best things about this story. I love that first episode. Um, but yeah, it's, I think five, it probably didn't need to be five parts. No, no. Even with that, you, you, you probably could have done it in a tight three or four, but, uh, you know, welcome to classic who. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so as I said, I'm a, I'm a big fan. It's a, it's a solid, I wouldn't say it's perfect, but it's like a, Solid eight out of ten for me, and I love it when Who gets weird, and this is one of one of Trouton's weirdest. I, I I mean I suppose it probably would have worked better in the time because you know there was no internet, so everybody would have been aware of these characters because you yeah. know books was the predominant medium. At the time, yeah. as well as television that was probably based on all the books. Yes. But, I, I don't know, like... I, again, I can't put my finger on it, but something was just ever so slightly... Just didn't sit with me. Like yeah. I say, there were certain bits that I was having fun with, and then yeah. some bits where I was just like, come on, just get to the end. 
All right then. Well, with that with that spirit in mind, shall we shall we crack on and ra- rattle through the specifics? Yeah. And, uh, maybe, got... maybe we'll help. We... It will help us identify what what it was that was holding you back from uh, really gelling with this story. Yeah, I suppose we're forty minutes in this week. That beats last week's record of twenty five. <sighs> it does. It does rather, doesn't it? And yeah. we've got, as I say, a five part story to get through. So, yeah. Uh... Right. So the mind robber. From the 14th of September to the 12th of October, 1968. Uh, Do you remember what you were doing at the time, David? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we we don't really do that anymore, do we? We don't. Just because all the time it would have been, yeah, I was at work. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. So it was directed by David Maloney Mm. and written by Derek Sherwin and Peter Ling. Yeah. I don't think Sherwin's credited for the first episode. No, he's not. But uh, but yeah, subsequently, like they're on record. Yeah, the the first episode was pretty much all he's doing. Just just as I say, to make up that shortfall. And I think Peter Ling wasn't particularly happy with that. But oh, wow. uh, as I say, I think it's probably one of the strongest parts of the story. So, okay, so we begin, and the Doctor and Jamie see a volcano erupt. Yeah. So that's this is the end of the Dominators. Okay. This I, is back, I, back, they were still doing like you know week to week, even between stories. It was like often like linking material like that. And I quite like the volcano effect because it's quite clearly a little toy TARDIS being covered in shaving foam. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they enter and we meet Zoe. Yes, uh, Zoe's been on board for a little while now, but this is your first time meeting her. Yeah. Um, I think I summarised her very quickly for you as, from the future, good at maths. Yeah. That's See, pretty much... One, one thing I would say at the moment, one uh, thing I'm really enjoying, I don't know if you listen to them, David, but the yeah. Married to Who guys do a little spin-off pod where they're yeah. going through each of the classic companions because I can't listen to their most up-to-date episodes for fear of spoilers uh i started listening to their one on barbara last night yeah when coincidentally i was in the bath um so i would give those a listen i i found them quite a good learning tool and i think i will moving forward absolutely i i really like them actually and i i've been listening to all of them i they did all of the dalek stories as well before that and Mm -hmm. and uh i've I've listened to all of those now they are yeah I, i really enjoy those what i'm trying not to do is I'm not listening to their coverage of New Who until we've done our episode. See, normally I um, watch the episode, then listen to their episode reviewing it, just yeah, in case there's any as a refresher. Facts. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. But okay. uh, yeah, so the TARDIS fails, and as the lava approaches, Jamie begins to panic, yeah. and the Doctor mentions an emergency unit. Yes. That will move the TARDIS out of reality. Yeah, I don't think it's ever mentioned uh, before or since. I could be yeah. wrong about that, but... Uh, yeah, there's probably times he could use it, but he was like, no way am I going back to that weird dimension. Yeah, yeah. Well, it certainly didn't work out well for him. Okay. Obviously. So, the Doctor doesn't want to use it, but he then does, and it's pretty yeah. much just a Rubik's Cube that he has in a cupboard. Yep. Uh, Zoe mentions that they have landed... And the Doctor says, yes, we have, but we are nowhere. Yeah. Now, one thing. I, I wish I used this when we were discussing our favourite curse words earlier. Uh, I really like when Jamie calls Zoe a wee McClarty. 
<laughs> I, I think I'm going to try and bring that back as a term. Yeah. I, I might combine it's, it's it with my one. favourite curse word. And if anyone does anything wrong, I'll be like, you fucking Wee McClarty. Yeah. And let's just quickly just talk about Jamie in general here. Everyone loves Jamie. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. Totally on and, board with that idea. And the thing is, I love Jamie. I couldn't really tell you fully why. He's just so likeable, is the thing. I think it's because, even though he's like a Scottish Highlander from the past, yeah, he, he's the most real person, if that yeah. makes sense. You I know, think he's just he's he comes across very down to earth, and I I don't I don't know for definite, but I imagine Fraser Hines was pr- pretty much just playing himself to an extent mm. with it. You know, it's just an affable young guy, very Scottish, but you know, just kind of enjoying the ride. Mm. And his his relationship with with the Doctor, it's such a warm, genuine friendship. That they seem to have. Yeah, like, they don't question each other in the same way the Doctor seems to, like, question Zoe. No. You know, I mean, there's a little bit uh, later on where they're doing some calculations and the Doctor's talking to Zoe and he does snap at Jamie a little bit because Jamie's just like, what's going on? And the Doctor's yeah. just like, ah, oh, you're, you're, you're not clever, shut up. Yeah. But... But yeah, but no, there's there's just a lot of warmth between them. So yeah, yeah, I I honestly I can't think of an example of someone encountering um, a second Doctor Jamie story and not at the very least almost instantly warming to Jamie as a character. Okay, if if you were the next incarnation of the Doctor, David, mm-hmm. yeah. and your adventure called upon you to rebuild a TARDIS team of classic companions. And let's say you're allowed two. Who, yeah. who would you pick? I don't know, because I don't know that I would pick Jamie, personally. What, because he's nice, but ultimately a bit useless? Oh, well, I don't know. He's he's he, He's up for a fight, which obviously isn't your first option in most cases but it'd be good to have us back up because you know i'm going to be useless i'm you know i'm not going to be like colin baker just casually uh <laughs> um disposing of people every now and again um so i i, I don't know my first thought and this is just this is based on nothing it was just as you asked this question i've never given this any thought before my first thought was like nissa maybe i think okay. i'd get on well with nissa I think who I don't I, think you've. I seen. don't think I've come across yes. her yet. No, um, but she's a lot of people find Nissa a bit bland, mm. but she's just she's just nice, you know. She's just nice and, and quite. I, I think I'd um, have either Ian or Jamie and yeah. Ace, and we'd just go through space <laughs> and time, just fighting. Yeah. We, we'd become absolute <laughs> marauders. Shit. Yeah. yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Just making bombs and punching people and <laughs> swinging baseball bats. Yeah, and having having like uh, single combat uh, yeah. duels and things. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, Zoe becomes intrigued about what's outside the TARDIS. Yes. And the Doctor says, "No, there's nothing." 
But Jamie yeah. sees Scotland on a screen and yes. he hears the bagpipes and he thinks of home. Yeah. Whereas Zoe sees her future city home. Yes. And I love that they couldn't even be bothered to make up a name for the city she comes from. Yeah. It's just She's a... just like, oh, it's my city. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And which one is that, Zoe? Like, just make up a, a, a future space city name. Come on, writers. But anyway. Okay. So, they won't go outside with the, without the Doctor, except yeah. Zoe immediately opens the doors, goes outside and vanishes. And this yeah. is where the Doctor shouts, oh my word. Yeah. Uh, Jamie runs out to find Zoe. And the TARDIS alarm begins to ring, which causes the Doctor to pass out. Yes. So, Zoe and Jamie find each other and they're in like a white void like yeah an eternal infinite whiteness yeah i love a good void in a tv show i love it when when i just love any science fiction where we can where we're just like okay let's step outside of reality and give it a good poke i just find i, I don't know i just find something very beguiling about that that kind of like Samuel Beckett like otherness, um, and like I say, I I, th- I wouldn't want it every week with Doctor Who, but when it do- what Doctor Who does kind of step into that kind of territory, I do always enjoy it. You know, I could th- I could think of things like uh, the God Complex or Doctor's mm. Wife in the more recent series, where it's just it's it's kind of it's so far removed from the normal rules. Uh, yeah. But anyway, yeah, so, so... In the void, they think something has tempted them out of the TARDIS, and they begin to yeah. feel watched, and robots appear. Yes. I've got a bit of trivia about those robots, if you're curious. Always. So, um, you know me, I like to... I like to praise the production design... Even when it's like, even when something obviously looks a bit cheap, if it looks like there's some some love and some effort gone into it, then, you know, I want to praise that. And I actually quite like this robot design. I like the sort of head shape and uh, and stuff. Mm-hmm. They're very clunky, but like they, they look like they'd be fun toys, right? Yeah, I, I could like. see that. Um, but I can't really give any credit to Doctor Who production staff for them because they basically just nicked them. <laughs> oh, really? They were created originally for a different sci-fi series called Out of the Unknown, which was like an anthology series. So they were created for an episode of that. Yeah, it's not one I've ever heard of. No, I, I wonder whether I could be a lot of it doesn't survive now because it's of that era. Yeah, where stuff was regularly binned. But um, yeah, I I I I really like the design of them, but. Yeah, that they must have just basically poked around and been like, "Hey, has anyone got any robot costumes? We could do with like two or three robots for this scene we're shooting." <laughs> and just like, "Oh yeah, here you go," because um, they never threw stuff away back then in the BBC. Like, even if it was quite cheaply put together stuff, like you know, oh that might come in handy later. If you like, someone painted up a flat to look like a a certain you know type of drawing room or something like that, they'd be like, "Okay, well." We've used it for this period piece, and who knows, next time we're shooting something set in 1852, we'll wheel it out again. Yeah, you know? exactly. 
Well, it's um, taxpayers' money. You can't just throw it away. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, the, the 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 robots start advancing. They they make it's almost like a Geiger counter noise, isn't it? That they make it's sort of yeah. like electronic creaking. Um, yeah, I, like one one thing I will praise is the different sound effects in this episode. Yeah, like because between radiophonic workshop are be, on fire in this story. Yeah, between these guys and the later soldiers that appear. Yeah. Like, the sound's pretty good. I'll give them that. Yeah. Like, just in general, it just adds to the overall atmosphere. Like, I, th- the story may not add up to much, but the atmosphere in this story, I think, is excellent throughout, really. Yeah, I think for the most part, I would agree with that. Yeah. So, the robots appear, and Zoe sees her home again, and Jamie sees Scotland. And once... They notice the robots. The Doctor is kind of beckoned or summoned to follow them. Yeah. But the Doctor, in response, tries to call them back. And the robots blast just as the Doctor saves Jamie and Zoe. Mm. So the Doctor begins to wonder whether he heard a voice or he just imagined it. Yeah. Uh, Jamie is asleep, having nightmares. And he dreamed he saw a unicorn. Last, <laughs> last night I had a dream that I was in the yeah. army. Yeah. That, it was, that must have been very traumatic. I also, as part of that dream, dreamt that I invented the shower. Ooh. That's, uh... Like, <laughs> just like, I mean, was it, set, was it set in the modern day, though? Like, So it was just uh, an alternate yeah. reality where nobody had showers before 2021. No, I invented a type of shower for the army where you can put one end of a hose into a bucket and the other end was attached to the shower head Uh and as if by magic it just worked as a shower. Oh. So I guess it would be like, you know, quite easy to travel with in in like, uh, you know, unhospitable parts of the world and stuff. Yeah, but like I say, don't ask me how it worked. I'm not going on Dragon's Den or Shark Tank (laughs) with it, but uh, yeah, it it was all right. (laughs) Well, there you go. Right. Um, Um, So yeah, the Doctor begins to feel an alien vibration. Now they're floating in a black void and the screaming really hurt my ears because they just all start screaming. Oh yeah, Zoe's screams in this are just... Nobody screams like that on TV anymore. That's such no. a like six nineteen fifties, nineteen sixties B movie thing, isn't it? Girls screaming in that very particular way. Well, that's it. And for all we've praised the sound design, that bit really, really hurt my ears. Oh yeah, yeah. Could, it could have turned it down in the mix just a touch, but yeah. Uh, yeah um, so that's the end of episode one. Do we not get the... Oh, does it? I, does the TARDIS not explode at the end of episode one? Oh, uh, it, it maybe does. I've my, my final notes for episode yeah. one are the screaming hurts my ears, maybe not yeah. full volume in my headphones for episode two. Yeah. But the thing is, I've... I watched all of them in one sitting, even though you oh. always tell me not to. No, I do. I do. I do try to make that quite clear. But, yeah. uh, it took me about two hours, but... Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so, yeah. so w- whether it happens at the end of episode one or start of episode two, I can't remember. But TARDIS explodes. Yeah, good Doesn't riddance. That every day. <laughs> what did you think of the model shot of the TARDIS explode, uh, like the panels kind of just flying apart like that? I, I liked that it was like, again, it was clearly just a toy TARDIS that they really did blow up. And yeah. I think that looked better than if they'd tried... I mean, they didn't have computer-generated back no. then. But yeah, it, lo- it looked okay. I love it. I think it's a beautiful little piece of model work. Um, yeah, and then that really eerie bit where like just the, the, the console's just kind of floating in space... Yeah, they've got and they've got uh, Wendy Padbury very artfully draped over the console. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, yeah, I, I, I won't linger on it, but I, 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 I'm sure that was that moment was an awakening for some of the youthful audience. Yeah, watching. yeah. I think the less said, the better. <laughs> Indeed. I mean, we haven't really talked about Zoe's costume, though, have we? What do you think of the uh, the the glittery cat suit? Just. Look, a little bit impractical, isn't it? Like, it I don't know. I, I mean, I'm sure from whatever city to... she comes from, it's probably the done thing. But yeah, I'm presuming it is future space fashion. Mm. But uh, I imagine if it wasn't though, and she were, and it was just like, why are you wearing that? Sorry. The thing is, a lot of the coming episodes are based on her hiding and using stealth, but yeah. she's just like a glitter ball. Yeah, basically. You know, it's like, oh, how how are they ever going to see her in this dark forest? Well, yeah, she's the only thing that's, you know, lighting up. Yeah. But, so, episode two then opens with Jamie now in a forest. And yeah. he meets a red coat soldier that turns him to paper. Yes, yeah. I really like that moment where it's, because it just comes out of nowhere, doesn't it? Just like, poof. Yeah, just a little cut out, bop. Jamie. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, go on. I, I read on the Wikipedia that the reason behind this. Oh, I, I was gonna, I was gonna drop this on you, but uh, you go on. You I'll let, I'll let you. No, 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 no. It's fine. I don't have to be keeper of all knowledge. It's um, just that Fraser Hines was just poorly for a week, so they yeah. pretty much wrote him out and put a new Jamie in for a bit. Yeah, it's, and again, I, I, I just. The thing I love about Classic Who is even when it's not great, there is so much creativity. Creativity under, you know, such limitations. They had no money to work with. They had no time to do anything. And like this, so this would have been a last minute rewrite. Oh God, we don't have Jamie for a week. What are we going to do? Uh, I don't know. Uh, we, we've got a crazy story this week. That they, they, you know, they're outside of reality. They're, people are manipulating things. Let's just we'll turn him into a cardboard cutout. The Doctor will have to reconstruct his face, and he gets it wrong, and we have a different actor for a week. Yeah, brilliant, perfect. How do you even think of that? That's genius. Yeah. It's madness, um, is what it is. Yeah. And, but it just again it enhances the story because it makes it makes it clear that this is a world that just does not follow our rules, mm. and it adds this unsettling note where we're we're kind of like we're being told we've got to accept that this is Jamie. But imagine you're a six year old, a seven year old watching this, just like I, that's not Jamie. I know what Jamie looks like. Who's this imposter? Um, I think it's so effective. Um, yeah. 
and uh, I mean a bit of a bit of a rubbish hand for the for the guy who's stepping in to play Jamie for a week <laughs> because yeah. it's just like you get one week on Doctor Who and people are probably going to hate you because you're basically an imposter. Yeah, poor soul. Um, but uh, but yeah, he does a good job. Okay, so Zoe finds herself in a castle type area, which yeah. is also a big hole. Yes. And it turns out they're all being watched on screens. Yeah. So there's a mysterious presence watching them. There is, The Doctor yeah. wakes up in the forest too. Yeah. And he is confused trying to find his companions. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the lights come on and sol- a soldier appears. Yeah, like a, but, it's like a toy. Yeah, it's not soldier. just... At first, you think it could be just a normal soldier, but it's like a nutcracker tin soldier, isn't it? Yeah. They, you know, they've got the big keys in the back. They seem to be clockwork. Yeah. And the Doctor is then stopped by a man, okay, or a highway man. Yes. Who the Doctor begins to question. He answers in a strange way, you know, he doesn't form normal sentences. Yeah, it's just slightly archaic use of language, basically. And then this is bit a little bit that really, really annoyed me. Yeah. Really annoyed me. Because okay. he says the master is in charge. Yeah. Now it's the master. It's not the master. It's, it's a master. master. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I thought, oh, this'll be David doing his little job through Classic Who. Maybe he's gonna show yeah. me the introduction of the master. But it's yeah. not it's yeah. just a man calling himself the master. Mm. And I won't so. spoil it, but there is a there is another there's another uh Trout near a story where there's a character who if you don't know if you don't know the behind the scenes stuff and don't know when the master was introduced and who first played him, you're like, Oh, oh, could that be the master? I think that might be the master and then you get all the way through and say, Ah, oh, no, it wasn't. <laughs> you know, and, and the reason was because they hadn't even thought of the character of the master at that point. You know, it was still a couple of years when, away. When's he introduced? Uh, Pertwee is. Is it in Troughton's run? Oh, it's Pertwee. No, Pertwee. So, um, per- Pertwee's second series. Hmm. And so, they they what? they must have thought they were onto a good thing because in that first se- series where he's introduced, he's literally in every story for that entire series. Oh, really? Is that the series um, where the daemons come in, or was that later? I'm trying to think whether that's... It might be that series, because, to be honest, even when even when they start to lay off him a little bit, he's basically all the way through Pertwee's run. He, he keeps mm-hmm. popping up in every series after that. So, I can't remember. I think that might be his, the, yeah part of the fir- first run of, of, of Master Stories. Um... But anyway, yeah, so it's not the master, it's just a master in this case. But the man that the Doctor has met then leaves, and the Doctor is surrounded by children. Yeah. Who give him a dictionary. Yeah. Well, after a lot of, like, annoying riddle-based nonsense. It it all gets very drama school, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and... Again, that's just like padding, because there's a lot of the Doctor like going, hmm, let me think, what is the answer? <laughs> so, I, I, 
I like it just because they're not complicated riddles and they take long enough that the kids can come up with the answer. Like kids watching at home could come up with the answer before the doctor does and feel really smart. Well, yeah. And I think there's, there's something sweet in that. I bet there would have been some very proud kids to be like, oh, I know it. I Yeah, and then the doctor gets it and they're like, aha, I'm as clever as the doctor. But, yeah. So... The Doctor then finds Paper Jamie. Yes. As well as a safe and a wishing well. Oh, and this this is this definitely is padding this one though. And then he sees some mist <laughs> and on the wall the letter M and the letter T are crossed out. Yeah. So he goes, yeah. Right, so it's mist without that, so that must be let me think. Just cross the M out, cross it goes on forever. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it does. It does. And then he and sees it's, it's a hand necessary. where the H is crossed off, and he's like, oh, no, it's a hand. Yeah, all right, it's the word and. Okay. <laughs> Jamie is safe and well. Yeah. Christ, it goes on forever. Yeah. So the doctor then tries to reconstruct Jamie's face, but does it wrong. Yeah. And he makes a new Jamie, but Jamie. If, if I asked you to put my face together and you did it yes. wrong, I'd be slightly upset. I'd be like, you know, we've hung out a lot. D- d- <laughs> is this how you see me? But Jamie's yeah. just like, oh, yeah, I've got a new face. Let's move on. <laughs> I mean, uh, the, obviously, the answer for that is basically they had limited wiggle room in the script with which to mm. kind of deal with the fact that he's got a new face for this episode. Yeah, got to fit in all that humming and hiring whilst the Doctor solves riddles. <laughs> That's true. So, Jamie tells the Doctor that the TARDIS is broken apart and they hear Zoe calling. Yeah. So, they know they have to enter through a door. But, David, when is a door not a door? When it's ajar. We all know it. Yeah. Again, they take forever on that one. Do you think that was the first time that riddle had been used? And everyone was like, wait, a door is ajar. I, do, I, I doubt it. I think that one's probably a bit of an old chestnut even then. Mike, um, Im- imagine yeah. if you were like Sally Sparrow's friend and the Weeping <laughs> Angels sent you back to this time. I'd just be yeah. like, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. Yeah. I, like, if this was the best the world had to offer. So, they're in a place where nothing is impossible. They're yeah. in a forest of words. Yeah. And this is where I thought, oh my God, this is going to be David's wet dream. Um, so they see the highwayman again and hear the soldiers approach. Yeah. And the highwayman snitches on them and they get captured. Yeah. What a wanker, eh? Yeah. But they put them in a dark void with a unicorn. Yes. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> the aforementioned unicorn. Yeah. I, I love how it's nobody questions it. It's just treated as a as a, as a, as a figure of horror. Like, I guess maybe we've just got desensitized because unions uh, unicorns are now like a sort of meme kind of like we you know that people cutesify them to the nth degree. I don't know if there is in like classic literature stuff where unicorns are more of just like a fearsome thing. Because at the end of the day, like a pointy horn could do a lot of damage. Yeah, well, there's, actually, there's yeah. that 
animated film called The Last Unicorn, isn't there? I've never and seen it. I'm aware of it, but there's don't is really it know Legend it. with Tom Cruise? That's all about unicorns being like right. sacred. Yeah. But anyway, the idea of it just being just scary seems a bit odd to me. Yeah, but then at the same time, one I, I was writing a list of like positives and negatives as yeah. I was going through this and one of my main negatives is I think that unicorn is quite scary because they're clearly just distressing the horse that plays it. <laughs> yeah, I do feel bad. Ho- for the horses horse. don't make that sort of noise unless you really upset them. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that no- that noise was dubbed in. I feel like, like that was taken off an effect. Yeah, but you get like the uh, close real. up where it's like bearing its teeth and whinnying and all sorts. Yeah, um, no, it's not a happy horse, that's for sure. No. Um, and. One one little tidbit I I I, I saw when I was uh, researching this, uh, apparently the horse they got wasn't even white, so they had to like slap a load of I don't forget what it was like, like uh, not white paint but maybe yeah, it'll just be like, like chalk, won't it? Chalk, just or something like that, just to yeah, just whiten it up for the for the part. But yeah, that poor horse. Yeah, I don't think you'd you'd get away with that now. No. I mean, you wouldn't need to, would you? Just CG that that business. Oh, you just nowadays they they do do like pretty well trained stage horses and stuff, don't oh, they? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, yeah. So that's our cliffhanger for that episode. Yeah, and as we enter episode three, the doctor says, "Well, unicorns don't exist. So if you imagine it doesn't exist, that's when it just turns to yeah. paper and can't hurt you." Yeah, that's so- good. It's a it's a good good get out. You know you've got to you got to. The nature of classic Who is you've got to have a cliffhanger at the end of every episode, and you've got to deal with it in a couple of seconds because you've actually got a whole lot more plot to get through. Um, yeah. Having said that, it, it's effective the first time. It does get a little less effective every time they do it in this story from that point on, which is, you know, several. Yeah. So, the soldiers reappear. But the Doctor and his party escape. And yeah. Jamie is again turned into paper. Yes. Except the Doctor immediately rebuilds old Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> so that's all fine. And they yeah. go into a little house. Where they find a ball of twine. Because now they're in a maze. It's just yeah. like absolutely mad. Oh, we're in prison with a unicorn. Now we've escaped and we're going to this house. But it's not a house, it's a maze. Just... yeah. The pacing is absolutely insane. It is. It's. It's. It, there is an element of it that's a little bit like, you know, when you're just starting out doing creative writing in school, and it's like, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then. There's an element of that to it, and it, it, it's by no means the only classic Who story that you can make that accusation of. Yeah. Um, because so there's a, there's a charming simplicity to that. I feel like. Because if if you thought all the time wasting was reserved for episode two, what oh. about when Zoe explains the pattern of the maze? Where she's just going, it's one turn left, two turns right, four <laughs> turns left, two right, one left again, <laughs> eight right. And you're just like, <laughs> right, just say you've spotted the pattern. Like, yeah. you know... If, yeah. if I came to see you this afternoon and I said, oh, David, I drove to your house... And I turned left out the drive, then I took a second left onto the main road, 
Right at the roundabout. Yes. Within yeah. 30 seconds, you'd have punched me. Most likely, yes. Yeah, just unnecessary waste of time. But they reach the middle of the maze and find a big pile of bones. Yes. And they believe it's a minotaur. Yeah. At this point, I think they still haven't acknowledged that they're in a world of fiction. No, they haven't quite put it together yet. Yeah. Never mind. (laughs) Yeah, they'll get there. Super genius from the future, Zoe, hasn't worked this out. Yeah. No, what about the Doctor, you know? Well, yeah. Supposed to be, like, one of the cleverest beings in existence. Well, that's it. He, he's just muddling about in the background going, there's something I've missed here. <laughs> I've missed something. Like, yeah, yeah no shit, Sherlock. Just... <laughs> oh, it was so infuriating. So, they think there's the Minotaur coming, and Jamie works out how they can evade the soldiers that are approaching... Yeah. And the Doctor just wishes the Minotaur out of existence. Yeah. Uh, they meet the Highwayman again and ask directions to the Master. Yeah. And it turns out the Highwayman is Gulliver. Yes. From Gulliver's, Gulliver's Travels. Travels fame. And yeah. yet again, as soon as he explains that and the Doctor gives the explanation, the Doctor says, I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> Direct quote from the Doctor there. To quote our yeah. friends at Married to Who, verbatim. Okay? <laughs> he says that. Like, it's a show aimed at kids. Come on, they've worked yeah. it out. Yeah, you'd think so by that point. So, Jamie becomes separated from the, part, the party here. And yeah. he evades a soldier. And as he's climbing away, a rope drops down to him, up to a tower. But it's yeah. not a rope, it's Rapunzel's hair. Mm. And when he enters the tower, it's all futuristic with loads of books. And there's a machine in the middle that is typing out the Doctor's story as it happens. Yeah. And the episode ends with the Doctor seeing a horrible Medusa statue. Yes, yeah. So it's it's effectively the exact same cliffhanger. Yeah. And they've already do- they've already done the Minotaur in the middle of this episode as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, moving on to ep- the next episode, they immediately resolve it in basically exactly the same way. Oh, yeah. it's not real, so don't yeah. worry about it. Yeah, but whilst they're like, saying that, Zoe's like, "Oh, but I must look at it." Oh look- God! It's, now that's the bit that Why? I find Why? super annoying. Why, Why Zoe? <laughs> like, Why must you? Know- you? Oh, David, I've got a mug of poison here. Do you want to drink it? Don't drink it, though. And you're just like, oh, but I <laughs> but must. It's, it's what is compelling quick. her to do this? It is not clear. I mean, you can headcanon it and say, like, not, you know, their minds are being, to some extent, manipulated by this environment. But there's no actual textual reason that we know of why Zoe would feel so compelled to do that in that moment. But... Like when when I put out on Twitter that we were watching this episode, people yeah. were so quick to leap to its defence. Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> like, yeah. You know. um, so I think I think even most people would admit that with the best one in the world, I feel like this this story it starts strong, it ends strong, and it gets a little bit saggy in the middle. 
Um, how, how about if you're stuck facing a Medusa or a Gorgon, and yeah. you're not sure how you're going to escape, but you just look down and there's a sword and a mirror? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just... Bit convenient. Yeah. So, Anywho. An alarm sounds as Jamie mm-hmm. is detected, and he's found by Gulliver. Yeah. This time, Jamie does hide from the robots, and Gulliver doesn't dob him in. Mm-hmm. And the Doctor and Zoe reach the Master's Citadel. Yes. And they meet... I, I'm going to just check Wikipedia what this guy's called, because I've just called him the Carcass. Yeah. But is carcass, that is Oh, yeah, but yeah. it's spelt differently. It I thought it was Carcass because he was just fleshy and muscly. No, but no he's I think ca- it's... Carcass, the future superhero. Yes, yeah. From the from the future year of 2000. Yeah. I, I love that, though, because I remember yeah. in the year 2000, I would have been 15. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, me and my friends always joked, like, Transformers the movie set in the year 2000. And we were yeah. like, this is it! Autobots! <laughs> but no. Yeah. No. So they That's have a little fight with Carcass. And yeah. They enslave him. <laughs> yeah, and it does feel like Zoe manages to beat him, and then that's enough for him to be like. I mean, we don't. I'll be honest. I'm not familiar with the, you know, the Carcass universe. I don't know what all the lore is, but as we know, uh, Zoe is an avid reader of his particular strip cartoon. I love that they repeatedly refer to it as that. Um. So presumably is 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 aware that if you beat the carcass in single handed combat, he becomes indebted to you. Yeah. For some reason, for a bit, I think uh, that would get very convenient. Like, in this scene, Zoe cocks her lines up. Yeah, she does. She's, a bit. she's like, "Oh, let's go to the city. Let's go to the citadel." She repeats it <laughs> yeah. very slowly yep. and clearly. Yeah, and uh, they just so... leave it in. Don't have yeah. time. Moving Why on. Not? Their editing's worse than ours. <laughs> <laughs> so they all reunite, and Gulliver warns them against meeting the master. He says no good's going to happen. So mm. Jamie shows them all the reporting machine, and in fact, I just wanted to mention before they enter, yeah. they the doctor says, "Oh, there's like a little laser beam. You've got to step over if we're going to get in." And for some reason, Zoe's incapable of doing that. The Doctor has to carry her over. Uh, yeah. And then yeah. the Doctor says, oh, I'll just leap over it myself. And he jumps about five centimetres in the air. <laughs> yeah. Like, he does a dainty little hop, is how yeah. I describe that. Yeah, fair. But no, no, our listeners are right. This is a great story. Um, so, Jamie shows them the reporting machine. And the Doctor finally works out it's all fiction. Hey, we get there. Despite the emphasis put on that alarm, Zoe just triggers it immediately. Yeah. But it's fine because the Doctor wants to be caught because that means they'll be taken to the Master. Mm. And all this ramped up tension of meeting the Master. Like, when we've seen him, we've only seen him from behind, a bit like the claw from Inspector Gadget. Yes. But he's just a jolly old man. Yeah. Uh, So, can I check... Did, were you actually gearing up for this to be the master? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I just I'm thought, sorry to like, disappoint, Matt. 
I just thought, oh, they've done some good work to turn him round into an interesting character. Yeah, here we go. You know, I was like, this this isn't how I thought they'd introduce him, but well done, <laughs> well done. Um, so yeah, he's just a jolly yeah. old man, and he really, yeah, I really like Emrys Jones's performance as the master, the kind of dual personality thing of like you know. The, the the version of him being controlled by the the uh, unspecified intelligence and then his his just yes affable well, that that was going to be my other question yeah. like when he goes oh yeah I'm hooked up to this intelligence I was like is that the great intelligence nah or is this just an intelligence just another intelligence. Right, well, stop stop writing stories where all the villains have the same names <laughs> as can't... popular villains from later I, on. I'm trying to think whether this story is pre or post the first, the, the one that introduces the great intelligence. Uh, what Do you know the, the name of that story? Oh, what's it called? Because I've not seen it because it's missing. I know there's the sequel one was The Web of Fear, but the first one, was it just called right. The Abominable Snowman? It first Snowman? appeared in The Abominable Snowman in 1967. Yeah. So this would have been a year later. The Mind Robber was after Abominable Snowman. Yeah, this is 1968. Yeah, well, there you go. There you go. No, I'm pretty sure it's not supposed to be The Great Intelligence, but... Uh, no. Yeah. No. But again, great episode, great episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he's a writer who is selected to work here, hooked up to a weird glowing orb that yeah. we find out is the intelligence, and yeah. it wants the Doctor to replace him. Yeah. And it doesn't really say why. Is he dying or something? Yeah. Or does Basically, he just want just his he's, he's immortal, and the, 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 the Doctor obviously has a much longer lifespan. Now, presumably they selected him... The thing is, they say he they selected him for his, like, imagination, basically. Yeah. Well, he couldn't even and imagine yet, this place. He hasn't well, been able to work out a world of fiction. Well, and the thing is, they, 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 they use his imagination, right? But then, almost every one that we've met are pre-existing public domain... <laughs> Yeah, you know, fictional characters. He's not really imagined that much himself, has he? Have you ever seen the South Park Imagination Land story? I haven't. I haven't watched much South Park at all, to be honest. It's a bit uh, of a sort of gap. It, it, it's a very similar idea that there is a yeah. world of fiction that yeah. begins to invade reality. It's like parodying terrorism. Yeah, um, and it, it, it's very, very similar to this. It's just popped into mm. my mind. So the master tells the doctor, Jamie, and Zoe uh, they're captured. Mm-hmm. Sorry, the the master tells doctor that Jamie and Zoe are captured, and he offers yeah. an exchange of life. Uh, and Jamie and Zoe do get trapped in a book. Yeah, a big book. Yeah. And that's the end of episode because, four. Because Who knows you know, because, because fiction. Yeah, they're, they're now yeah. fiction, aren't they? Yes, that's so the idea. So they can be imagined out of existence. Yeah. So episode five opens, and they're no longer real, just fictional characters, and yep. the Doctor refuses the exchange. Mm-hmm. So 
he escapes and meets Zoe and Jamie. And in the conversation, they just keep repeating themselves. And mm-hmm. it's because they have they can only say what's been written for them. So they only have a select choice few lines they can say. Uh, the Doctor finds the Master Tape, which is going to help him, you know, settle this once and for all. And he can't open it, so he gets big old carcass to come open it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the Doctor says if he can write his own fiction, he can create things into existence to help win this scenario for him. Yeah. yeah. So he uses Rapunzel's hair to climb down. And writes fiction, but he almost turns himself into fiction. Yeah, because basically if... the general conceit conceit with this mind battle is he can use other like already fictional characters, but if he directly includes himself, he will kind of rewrite himself into fiction, and he'll stop existing in reality. Mm-hmm. Is my understanding of it? Yeah, that's that's pretty much how I read it. So the TARDIS reappears, but it's a trap. Yeah. Jamie and Zoe trick the Doctor into entering, and it's just a box. So they're under the control yeah. of the Master, and he yeah. wrote a little story in which they trick the Doctor. Mm-hmm. So now the Doctor's linked to the Master Brain via a helmet, yeah. and we have a battle of wills. Yes. Now, I sent you a message earlier in the week. You did. If you were yourself in this scenario and you had Mm -hmm. to create a champion of fiction Mm -hmm. to fight on your behalf and you can call in a second who would you call on well correct me if i'm wrong the 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 concept of a second in a duel is if the first person is unable to fight or well i didn't think it was that and i should have double checked it i thought it was that they they, their kind of role is to try and resolve the, the, the dispute diplomatically so that it doesn't result in the fight. Yes. And that's... if that fails, yeah. then you move on to the champion who will do the actual dueling. Yeah. That's where the phrase seconds out comes from in boxing. Yeah. 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 So uh, that being the case, uh, I, I, I decided for, for, as an extra challenge, I would sort of keep it within the Marvel Universe. Okay. So I've gone with t- so so I'll give you my second first <laughs> because you know obviously you'd want to you wanted to try and resolve things dipl- diplomatically if we can so I'm gone for Professor X okay because he's a very calm reasonable intelligent sort and if he's losing on that level he could just kind of just control <laughs> their mind yeah. Just make them think whatever he wants them to think. See, I went for Judge Dredd. Right. Because then you have a man of the law. Yeah. But he's also, if called upon, he'll just shoot someone. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, And then I went with, for my champion, Deadpool. Because you can't fucking kill him. Yeah. See, I went for Robocop. I went for two, two lawmen. Yeah. Um, I reckon Deadpool would would dispense with Robocop in seconds. I don't think it would be seconds. I think Robocop would shoot Deadpool to bits and then realise he couldn't kill him. Yeah. Oh. Oh, you've, you've maybe bested me there. Oh, uh, possibly. 
because I don't think. I mean, is I don't it think... cheating? Is it cheating to pick someone who who is effectively immortal? Uh, for it to fight in a duel? Well, I don't know, because one of my original answers was, I don't know if you remember from Disney's Sword in the Stone, where they have the wizard duel. Oh, I do. And at the end, Merlin wins by becoming a bacterial disease. Yeah. Yeah, so... God, that, that, that sequence is fucked up, isn't it? Yeah, but it's absolutely brilliant. It's one of the most underrated brilliant. Disney films. It's absolutely yeah, it is. top ten for it, me. I mean, it's uh, as as a as a retelling of the Arthurian legend. It's uh, a bit a bit off in parts. Yeah. But as 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 for sheer, sheer entertainment, it's uh, it's up there with the best. I'd say. Uh, I don't know if I was going for fictional champions and seconds. Just to hark back to the early conversation, I might go Jesus Christ and God. <laughs> but obviously, they're not fictional. So no. No, indeed. Right, so, the Doctor's battle goes a bit like this. The Master calls some robots. The Doctor calls Zoe and Jamie. Yeah. Right? So then the Doctor then summons Carcass to kill some soldiers that the Master's summoned. So the Master then uses Carcass to attack Zoe and Jamie, but the Doctor says it has no power, so Bergerac turns up. Yeah. What, what's the thing with Bergerac not, and his not, big not nose? The, uh, not, not the. Uh, is it the antique dealer slash detective Bergerac? <laughs> yeah. From like the <laughs> early nineties, late eighties. Yeah, yeah. Not that Bergerac. Right. What, what's the thing with Bergerac's big nose? Like, I'm I'm aware that it's a trope that he has a big yeah. nose. Is that just it? In... So the, the the story of Saran and de Bergerac, and, it's, as a, and, and I'll be honest, I'm taking this from one particular theatre production I saw when I was in my teens, when I was studying theatre. So I'm just going off the back of that. But I believe that the general conceit is he's he's got a big nose and therefore nobody finds him attractive. Uh, but he's he's a, a skilled swordsman and a and a, like a poet and a wit. And a mate of his basically asks him to help woo this particular lady that he fancies. And so Serrano de Bergerac is basically telling him, you know, feeding him all of, all of the, the right pickup lines and poetic bits and bombs and stuff. But in the process, he himself falls in love with her. And it's like a sort of tragedy was, thing. Was it, was it the fast show? That used to have a sketch that was called Bergerac. Don't call me Big Nose. I can't remember, I don't remember that one. It, I've just googled it and I can't find the yeah. sketch anywhere. This and there's that not... Steve Martin film that was a like a modern retelling of it, yeah. which I've never seen, but I'm aware of. I think I've seen that. I think it's where he drinks yeah. a pint of beer through his nose. Uh, uh, let me just. But anyway, yeah. So, so there is but, like there is there is like a plot element to him having a big nose. It's not just, you know, just a pointless character detail. Yeah. So he turns up, but then D'Artagnan fights him. Yeah. Then Blackbeard turns up, and Lancelot fights him. Okay. Just pause for a second, though. Blackbeard was real, though, right? Yeah. Mythologized to an extent. Like I'm sure not every story associated with Blackbeard is you know, a true historical account. But there genuinely was a pirate. Yeah, Edward Teak. Yeah. So what 
How is he turning up in this? Yeah. Ah. That rankles me slightly. So, anyway, the Master calls on the robots to kill the Doctor, but Zoe and Jamie overload the Master brain. Yeah. Everything explodes, they escape with the Master, somehow the TARDIS reforms, the end. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But no, 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 our listeners are, are, are right, David. This is a great episode. Oh, come on. It's... That ending. I mean, okay, okay. This or Tomb of the Cybermen, which would you rather rewatch? Um, probably this, but that's like, you know, the lesser of two evils. Right. Like. How, so, it, uh, I'm not saying it's irredeemable. There are a few yeah. bits I did like. Yeah. But the way people have been telling me, oh, this is the one, this is great, it's not. I think, like I say, I think there are two factors at play. One is the fact that it exists in its entirety, and it was one of the earliest, I think, uh, tragic, like, a lot of Troughton's stories that now we, we have have been sort of discovered and pieced together a bit later. Mind Robber has, is one that's kind of always existed in the archives, so I think it was one of the first to ever be released on home video of his era. Um... I think people have a lot of affection for it because it's been around longer. So people, it's it's like one of the go-to examples. And also I think it is the fact that it is kind of one that it's a bit of a mind-bending story and, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, has, it's, a, it's has a surreal charm to it. It's different. Yeah. I'll give it that. Yeah. But... yeah. I think that's what people like about it, that it is different and it is... Like, I think genuinely funny in spots and genuinely creepy. Um, but, yeah, a bit overlong. The writing isn't always brilliant and ultimately it doesn't make a lick of sense. No. I will I will, I will, admit to all of that, but, I, you know, I have a big smile on my face whenever I'm watching it and I can't ask for much more than that from uh, entertainment. So, yeah. I, I I I like it despite its 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 genuine flaws. Um, well, there you go, listeners. Uh, it wasn't as bad. You know, I was prepared to just have you just trashing it for for an hour. Um, so I'll I'll take it that you, at least you had some nice things to say about it. Yeah. Um, like I say, I, my favourite thing's probably Jamie, but. He owes yeah. me thirty pounds. So. Yeah. so now I'm going to have to put my thinking cap on for when we get to the end of series nine. What you know? What third Doctor story are you going to watch? Um, we might have to put some polls up for that as well. Um, my initial thought was Claws of Axos, but I don't know. I don't know. That's one where I don't know if anyone else loves it as much as me. Right. I really love that story, but. Um, let, I yeah, let me I don't just know quickly the, the Google the top five terrible Doctor stories. Right. <laughs> we could do The Mutants. Let's not do The Mutants, no. Uh, Day of the Daleks. I think you'd enjoy Day of the Daleks. Okay. The Monster of Peladon. Yeah, that's the second of the Peladon stories, ah, I right. think. Yeah. Um, Death to the Doct- yeah. Death to the Daleks, sorry. Death to the Daleks, yeah. I mean, I quite like Death to the Daleks. 
or what about the time monster that on whatever I'm on whobackwhen.com that's voted the worst third doctor story really Ah, oh, no. I fucking love the Time Monster. You would probably hate the Time Monster. Right. Well, at but... the end of Series 9, that's my nomination, the Time Monster. Okay. I like doing the worst it's... ones. Six. It's six episodes. Easy. Easy. I've done yeah. five in one sitting this week. Yeah. I don't know. I'll, we didn't, we'll include it in the poll. We'll include Time Monster in the poll, I reckon. I'll, I'll draw us up a short list okay. of good and bad. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll probably launch that, I think, a little closer to the time. We've got a hot, as I say, we've got Series 9 of New Who to get through first. Capaldi's second se- series. Yeah. Is it, going to be, to it? is it going to be good? <laughs> That's my main question. <laughs> you know. Oh, I don't know what to say to you to that. Like, do you, do you want me to kind of tip my hat a bit? Uh, on that? Sa- save it for next week. Okay. Save it for next um, week. So next week we'll be we'll be discussing the first episode, just the first episode, um, the magician's apprentice. Something to look forward to. Yeah, but until then, as always, thank you ever so much for listening, and cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.